This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. You're invited to join us at our worship assemblies each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. Tonight I want to talk about the gospel of Jesus, and I want to talk to you about it in terms of both good news and bad news. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. The word oracle means instrument or mouthpiece. And it's my job as I stand before you tonight and speak to be very careful and cautious and mindful of what I say. I need to speak just the very words of God. Nothing more, nothing less. And I'm going to do my very best tonight as we go through this study to share nothing but the word of God with you. We have to be careful lest we add things to God's word. Proverbs 30 and, 7 gives, or 30 and 6 gives us a warning about this. It says, Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. So we can't add to God's word. We can't speak things in his name that he hasn't already spoken and shared with us through the written word. But you know, we also can't hold back, can we? We can't withhold things when we teach God's word. We can't withhold things that he has given us in the written, uh, written word. We can't hold those things back. Paul is talking to a group of elders in Acts 20, 27, and he says, For I have not shunned or held back to declare unto you all the counsel of God. See, we can't just share part of the counsel of God or a little bit of the counsel of God. We've got to share everything uh, that God's word has to say about the gospel when we preach it. You need to be listen carefully tonight and you need to make sure that what we're teaching and telling you is the word of God because there are many false teachers. There are many false teachers in the world today. 1 John 4 and 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Why? Because many, not just a few, the Bible says many false prophets are gone out into the world. There are many false teachers in Christianity today. And the only way that you'll be able to identify uh, false teachers from those that are teaching the truth is to try and test what you're being taught. Try it and test it by the Word of God. There are many false gospels being preached today. And it's nothing new. It's around since the days of the first century. There are many false doctrines of salvation, false gospels being preached. Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia and spoke to that in this way. Galatians 1 and 7, he says, But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. He says, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, than that we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say, not, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Paul was amazed, he marveled that the Galatians had been turned away from the truth of the gospel that he preached to them to some perverted false form of the gospel. And Paul corrects him and warns him, and he says, don't do that. He says, I don't care if an angel comes down from heaven. What would you do if an angel came down in the assembly tonight? We'd, we'd listen to him, wouldn't we? If he wanted to speak, we'd listen to what he had to say. But what if, what if an, even an angel tried to preach a different gospel to us? Don't receive it. 
Don't receive it. Let that person be accursed. So it, it's so very important that we receive the truth of the gospel. And anytime we're taught something from God's word, we need to check it out and make sure it's nothing but the truth. Romans chapter 1 verse 16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The word gospel comes from two old English words. God and spell means good story or good message. We sometimes call it glad tidings or good news what the word gospel means good news I like to be the bearer of good news don't you don't you like to go and, and tell people good news sometimes the good news isn't all that great unless you understand the bad news first you know what I mean by that let me give you an illustration Suppose I came in here tonight and I said, everybody listen up, I've got good news. I broke my finger. You might hear that and say, well, how in the world could a broken finger possibly be good news? What if I went on to explain, well, you have to understand that on the way to, to church tonight, I was involved in a terrible car accident car accident so violent that the, the witnesses of that accident didn't expect me to get out of that car alive. But I managed to walk away with just a broken finger. Well, that's bad news, isn't it? Being involved in an accident like that. But it's, you see, understanding the bad news of that terrible accident could help one see how in that context, or given that situation, yeah, just a broken finger could in fact be good news, couldn't it? If you weren't aware of the bad news, the accident, the good news, walking away with just a broken finger might not seem all that great. Gospel of Jesus Christ is the exact same way. We need to talk about and we need to understand the bad news so that we can truly and fully appreciate the good news of the gospel. We're going to talk about both sides of the coin tonight. We're going to talk about some of the bad news. And the reason why we're doing that is so that hopefully we can have a deeper appreciation for how good the gospel truly is. First piece of bad news I'm going to share with you tonight is sin. Sin is bad news. The Bible does a good job of defining sin for us in 1 John 3 and 4. It says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is a choice that we make to transgress or go beyond the boundaries of God's will as it's revealed in His Word. When we choose to do things that are wrong in the sight of God, we commit sin. We can also commit sin by failing to do the things that we know that are right in the sight of God. James 4.17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Sin is a choice that we make. It's either choosing to do the wrong or failing to do the right. Either way you go with it, it's a choice we make. Sin is not something that we are born with. Sin is not something that we inherit from our parents. You might inherit your hair color or your eye color from your parents. You do not inherit sin from your parents. 
The Old Testament prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel 18.20, said, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him, the Bible says. Our little children aren't born into this world as little sinners. They don't come into this world bearing the sins or the guilt of their parents or any of their ancestors. We're not brought into this world bearing the guilt of, of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden from the beginning. We don't come into the world that way. You know, Jesus talked about little children in Mark 10, 14. Parents would bring their children to Jesus for him to put his hands on them and bless them. And uh, it got to be, an, the disciples uh, saw it as an issue, you know, a, a bother. They were getting in the way and the disciples were keeping the parents and the children away. Mark 10, 14, but when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. And he said unto them, suffer the little children to come unto me. Forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. The Lord looked on these children and he saw innocence. He saw purity. He saw characteristics that are required of us if we want to come into the kingdom of God, right? God doesn't hold us accountable for sin until we mature into adults, until we have a capacity to understand the difference between good and evil. But until such a time in our life that that happens, we're innocent in the eyes of God. We're not born with sin. Now, many of us in this assembly of night have come to that age of maturity, haven't we? Many of us have come to a point in our life where we can clearly see, we can clearly understand what God wants. And what did we do? We made a free will choice to transgress, to disobey, to rebel against the will of God. And when we make that choice for the first time, we sin. We commit sin. Sin's bad news. Sin is bad news. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're coming short of the glory that God intends for us to reflect in this world when we commit sin. We're falling far short of it. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We can try to deny our sin. We can try to justify our sin. We can try to gloss over our sin. You're only deceiving yourself. If you try to say you have no sin or justify your sin, you're only deceiving your own self. We sin. We fall short of God's glory. We commit spiritual crimes against God. That's really what sin is. is we're committing spiritual crimes against Him. And if we commit spiritual crimes against God, because He's a just God, He requires that a punishment or a penalty be paid, right? That's the way God works. That's the way God has always worked. There's a spiritual penalty associated with every transgression and disobedience that we commit in the sight of God. And it's something that Hebrews chapter 2 refers to. Hebrews 2 and 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest in any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast... That's how God, in times past, used to bring messages down to mankind. He used to use angels. He'd bring a message to a man or a family or a people through, through an angel. And, and the word spoken by angel was steadfast. If an angel brought a message from God, the people that message was brought to could count on the fact that it was true and God expected them to obey. 
and every transgression of those words spoken by angels, every transgression and disobedience of that received a just or appropriate recompense of reward. God's a just God. When he gives us his will, when he makes it known to us, if we disobey it, if we transgress against it, there is a recompense. There, there is a payment that must be made. There's a penalty that has to be issued. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? We cannot escape the divine judicial system of God. He's a just God. He must punish sin. What if God let one sin slide by unpunished? That verse says that every transgression and disobedience must be punished. What if God let just one sin slide by unpunished? If God could let one sin slide by unpunished, why couldn't he let two slide by? If he could let two slide by unpunished, why couldn't he let three? And if he could let three of my sins go by unpunished, oh, I'd just not let all of my sins go by unpunished. And if he would do that for me, well, then why wouldn't he do it for you? And why wouldn't he do it for the person behind you and the person in front of you? And why wouldn't he do it for, for everybody? You see, he's just not going to go down that road because he's a just and holy God. And that's why he requires every sin receive a punishment and a penalty that's why sin is bad news it's because God in his justice he must punish sin he won't let our sins slide by unpunished not yours and not mine there's a terrible place that sins are going to be punished for all eternity we're going to have more to say about that in a few moments but for right now what I want you to know about sin is it is bad news of the worst kind Okay, without God's mercy, we're stuck in our sinfulness, we're doomed to pay the penalty, our sin leaves us lifeless, our sin leaves us hopeless, our sin leaves us helpless, and our sin leaves us lost. That's why sin is bad news. But I've got good news, there, there's good news. The good news comes to us in the form of Jesus Christ. The good news is that God would much rather show mercy and pardon sinners and forgive them than punish them. And God has demonstrated that to us through, through his love and through his mercy and through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ. I mean, let me help you understand why Jesus Christ is such good news. Remember, the bad news is sin. And as I just told you that because of sin, we are lifeless. Jesus came and he brought life. Sin leaves us lifeless. Jesus can come and bring life. John 10 and 10, he said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He came to give us spiritual life in exchange for spiritual death. Because of our sin, we're hopeless. Jesus came and he brought hope. He brings hope. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, to give them hope. Paul says, of whom I am chief. Because of our sin, we are helpless. Let me tell you, Jesus came and he brought the help that we needed. 
He brought help. Mark 2.17. Jesus said, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. He says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Because of our sin, we are lost. Jesus came and he brought light to rescue us from being lost in darkness. John 8 and 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus is good news. Unless you want to live your life hopeless, helpless, lost, under the wrath and condemnation of God, for people who are content to go on living in their sin and then someday just pay the penalty, Jesus really isn't good news. But for those of us who would rather be at peace with God and spend eternity with God in heaven, Jesus Christ is the best news that we could ever hear. God's power to save us comes to us through the gospel. The gospel is the saving power of God. That's what we saw in Romans 1.16. The gospel, the good news, is that Jesus died and was buried and he rose from the dead to bring that light, to bring that help, to bring that hope that we need. Paul declares the gospel under the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15. This is where Paul reminds them in 1 Corinthians 15.1. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you. He'd already preached it to them before. Which also ye have received. They'd already received it in time past. Wherein ye stand, they were standing in the truth of the gospel, by which also ye are saved. If, if you keep in memory, he says, what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. They needed to remember and keep the gospel in memory, right? Verse 3, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Those are the three fundamental facts of the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, just as it was foretold and prophesied in the scriptures. Okay? Jesus came, he died, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead. That's good news. That is good news. God saves us from sin when we believe in the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and when we obey the gospel in baptism and have an intimate encounter ourselves with the death burial and resurrection of Jesus in baptism Jesus is the only way for us to be saved from sin there is no other way okay there is no other way Jesus said in John 14 6 he said I am the way the truth and the life he says, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only, only one way to be saved from sin, and that's through Christ. I've got more bad news, though. Someday, God is going to pour out his wrath on those who choose sin and refuse his son Jesus. Un unforgiven sinners are going to be punished someday in the lake of fire. And that's bad news. It's terrible news. We don't like to think about hell and talk about hell. But you know, the Bible speaks of it in many different times and many different places. It, it gives us a, a loud and clear warning that this place is real 
And it will serve God's purpose of punishing sinners for all eternity. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, Paul writes and he says, To you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, the Lord's coming back. He's coming back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. Notice the word punish. Notice the word everlasting destruction. Notice the word flaming fire and vengeance. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power? I want to back up a little bit. I want you to notice on whom is God's wrath poured out in flaming fire? It's two groups of people. Them that know not God and them that obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who's going to be punished with everlasting destruction? Them that know not God and them that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, I believe John gets a, a glimpse into the future and, and gets some information about what the judgment day is going to be like. He shares that with us. On that great and final day, we will all stand before God. We'll have to give an account. Revelation 20, 11, And I saw a great white throne, he says, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell or Hades delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were, and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. At the last day, Christ is going to come back. There's going to be a resurrection and there's going to be a judgment. And the dead are going to be judged as this scripture teaches us according to their works. Unbelieving, unrepentant, unforgiven sinners are going to be cast into this terrible place. A lake of fire. It will not be a pleasant place. It will not be pleasant. Revelation chapter 14 verses 10 to 11 gives us a little bit of an idea as to what this place is all about. It talks about how they shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. They have no rest day or night. You stop and think about those words. Torments with fire and brimstone. Never ending. Never a moment's rest. The lake of fire is bad news that'll just keep getting worse and worse and worse for all eternity. But I've got good news. There ain't a single person here tonight that has to go spend eternity in the lake of fire. Not a single one of you. There's another place you can choose to spend eternity. There's a wonderful place, a place where God lives, that place called heaven. Revelation 14 we stopped reading there in verse 11. Very next verse, verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. 
Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. John says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Listen, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Heaven is for those who die in the Lord. That's what it says. Having kept the commandments of God and the faith of Christ. Heaven's going to be wonderful. It's going to be a place of rest, a place of comfort, a place of peace and joy. I believe Revelation 2 is a picture, a future picture of what the church will look like when it reunites with God in heaven someday. This is what it this is the best way it could be described in the words of John as they were revealed to him in his revelation given by Christ. John says in Revelation 22:1 and he shewed me a pure water or excuse me a pure river of water of life clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. That sounds a whole lot better than the lake of fire, doesn't it? That sounds a whole lot better. Heaven's going to be a wonderful place for all eternity. And, and like I said a moment ago, you can have it. You can have it. If you put your faith in Christ. And if you obey the gospel, if you trust and obey, as the old song says, you can spend eternity in this wonderful place. That's good news. That's very good news. The bad news is, is that many will not have faith. Many will never come to put their faith in Christ. Those who don't put their faith in Christ are never going to be pleasing in the sight of God. Hebrews 11:6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Those who don't put their faith in Christ are going to die in their sins. And we just talked about where God's going to punish those sins, didn't we? Jesus said in John 8, 24, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, you don't have faith in me. Jesus says, ye shall die in your sins. Because of unbelief and because of a lack of an obedient faith, many, not a few, but many are going to be destroyed. It's bad news. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be, he says, which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few, few there be that find it. Jesus teaches us here there's two ways we can go through life. Just two. There's a straight way, a narrow way, and a wide way. A 
Broadway. Jesus says that there are many on that Broadway and the bad news is that it leads to eternal destruction. But there's a few walking that narrow way, that narrow way that leads to eternal life. Let me tell you, the good news is, is that you get to decide which path you want to be on. That path is not predetermined for you. And you're not predestined to walk one path or the other. You get to choose which path you want to walk on. You don't have to be one of the many. Yeah, there's many on that path to destruction. And many are going to end up in the lake of fire. That's a fact. That's a fact that's taught in Scripture. But you don't have to be one of the many. You can choose to be one of the few. You can choose to be one of the few on that narrow way which leads to life. That's good news. That even though many will not have faith, don't worry about the many. Just what about you? What about you? You can choose to have faith in Christ. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Here faith is defined as a belief in things not seen. For example, you know, you, you weren't there the day they crucified, buried, and, and you weren't there to see Jesus' resurrection. There ain't nobody here tonight that was a first-hand witness of that. Right? We, we didn't see that. But you know we have faith in the fact that it's true. We have faith in the record that is left to us in the New Testament by those who were first-hand witnesses. We put our faith in the Word of God and what it says about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Faith comes first by hearing the facts of the gospel, right? Receiving the written record and testimony of those who did walk and talk with Jesus, of those who did see him die and were witnesses to his burial and his resurrection. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We go to the Word of God, right? To develop that, that faith in our heart. I'm preaching to you tonight from the Word of God. You know why we're using so many scriptures? They say, Brother James, you use so many scriptures in your, in your lessons. It's the Word of God that cultivates faith in people's hearts. That's what people need. They need the Word of God. If we're not teaching scriptures, I don't know, I don't know what we're doing. It's the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes first by hearing the Word and then believing the facts of the gospel. It's, it's so simple. It's so simple. Hear, believe, obey, and obtain life. And you can do it. You have that opportunity. That's, it's good news that you don't have to be one of the many that don't believe. You can put your faith in Christ tonight. Bad news is that just as many will not have faith in Christ, many will also not obey the gospel. That's bad news, and here to tell you tonight, that's sad news. It's sad that there will be many who will hear, maybe even believe to a degree, but for whatever reason, not obey the gospel. We have many hearers of the word today. We have very few doers of the word, right? And the book of James chapter 1 gives us 
encouragement. James 1.22, it says, But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, it says. It's not enough to just hear. It's not enough to just say, well, I heard the sermon. I'm good. We must believe the gospel and we must obey the gospel. We can't just be a hearer of the word. We've got to be a doer. We've got to respond to what we hear and what we believe. We've got to respond in obedience. If you hear the gospel, but you don't obey it, you're deceiving yourself. If you're a hearer, but not a doer, you are deceiving yourself into believing that you're saved. I want you to be reminded of and recall the eternal consequences of those who do not obey the gospel. We read this earlier. I'm going to read it again so you understand clearly. 2 Thessalonians 1.7 To you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, he's coming back, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Many will not obey. And the Lord will come back and take vengeance on them who choose to not obey the gospel of Jesus. The good news is, is that you can obey the gospel. You don't have to be one of the many. You don't have to be one of the many. You can choose to be one of the few. You can obey the gospel tonight. Jesus wants to save you. Did you know Jesus wants to be the author of your eternal salvation? He wants that. He desires that. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, talked about this verse Wednesday night. Though he were a son, that's Jesus, the only begotten son of God, yet learned he obedience, complete and total submission to the will of his Father in heaven. He learned that by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect or complete, he, that's Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Jesus wants you to trust him and obey him because when you do, he is happy to become the author of your eternal salvation. Why would you not trust the Lord today? Why would you not obey the Lord today? He wants to save you. You know, Y'all have been good hearers of the word tonight. Y'all have been good hearers of the word all week. I appreciate that. I beg you to be a doer of the word. Don't just be a hearer. Be a doer of the word. We know that Christ is going to take vengeance on us if we don't obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we need to not just be a hearer we need to be a doer of the word. We need to obey the gospel. Exactly how does a person obey the gospel today? There's a lot of confusion in the religious world about this. But God makes it so simple and so plain to us. He paints a beautiful picture for us in Romans 6 about how we obey the gospel according to the scriptures. Romans 6 verse 3, Paul says, Know ye not, don't you understand? 
that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We obey the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ when we go down into the waters of baptism. Did you notice what Paul said there in Romans 6 about this? He said, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. He says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Jesus died for you. And in baptism, you die with Christ. You're baptized into his death. That's what the Bible says. You can read that right there in your own Bible. He was buried for you. He, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism, the scripture says. And just like God raised him from the dead... We come up out of the waters of baptism raised to walk in a new spiritual life. He died for you. In baptism, you die with him. He was buried for you. In baptism, you're buried with him. He was raised up for you, and you come up out of the waters raised up to live for him. We have an intimate encounter with those three fundamental facts of the gospel when we're baptized. We have an intimate encounter, don't we? with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus when we're baptized. You know, we go down into this water in our sins. In this water, we contact the sin-cleansing blood of Jesus. Where did Jesus shed his blood? He shed it on the cross right here. Where he, that's where he died. He shed his blood on the cross right here. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. When you're baptized into the death of Jesus, you contact that blood that he shed that blood is applied to your soul. You're washed clean, not by the water. There's nothing in the water. I want you to understand that. There ain't nothing in this water that can wash away sins. But when you die and are buried and resurrected with Christ, that's when that blood covers your soul. You come up out of the water, raised to walk in a new spiritual life. You come up in a saved relationship with Jesus. It's not hard. It's not difficult to understand. You know, man, man is the one who complicates this. Man is the one who complicates it and changes it. And, but don't worry about that. Just, just look at what God says here in his word about baptism. Have you died with Christ? Have you been buried with Christ? Have you been raised up to walk in a new spiritual life with Christ? I don't know of any other way you can do that. There is no other way that scripture teaches you can do that but by being baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. Bible doesn't teach salvation by praying a prayer. Prayer, prayer is wonderful. Prayer is good. We should pray. But the Bible doesn't teach us that we 
never teaches that we die with Christ, we're buried with Christ, we're raised up to walk a new spiritual life with Christ through prayer. It doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach salvation by asking Jesus into your heart. I want Jesus in my heart. <laughs> That's a good thing. I want him in my heart and in my life every day. I need that. But you know that nowhere does the Bible say that Jesus will come into your heart if you ask him to. And it's not through asking Jesus into our heart that we die and are buried and raised up to walk in a new spiritual life. The Bible teaches the only way to do that is through baptism. As you read, can read in your own Bible there in Romans chapter 6. This is how you obey the gospel. This is how you obey the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. There's no other way. There's no other way. Bad news is, is tonight may be your last chance to do it. Tonight could be your last chance to get right with God and be saved. Jesus is coming back someday. I don't know when he's coming back. But I know he is coming back. He tells us in Matthew 25, 13, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. He's coming back. I, I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. He's coming back. If the Lord delays his return long enough, we'll all face death, won't we? But we don't know when. Is the day of your death something you've got marked on your calendar? Could you put it on your calendar if you tried? We don't know. We don't know. We know we have an appointment that we will face. If the Lord doesn't return first, we have an appointment we'll face with death. But we don't know when that appointment will be. Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed unto men wants to die. But after this, the judgment. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. And the only time the Lord has promised us is right here and right now. It's the only time we have guaranteed of God. It's, it's right here and right now. Bad news is, is tonight might be your last chance. Good news is, is you can be saved tonight. God's brought you to this very place tonight. He sustained you on down through your life and brought you here. And he's given you capability to hear the word of God taught. He's given you a capability to understand the teachings of his scriptures. He's provided everything for you to be able to be here tonight and be a hearer and to understand and to be a believer and to obey if you so choose to do so. And, and that's what we do. We beg and plead with people. On behalf of God, we beg and plead with people to get right with God and to do it now before it's too late. You can be saved tonight. That's, that's good news. Jesus gives you an invitation tonight. Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, come unto me. Jesus says, come. He says, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We carry our sin through life, and it becomes a, a very heavy burden. Guilt, the shame trouble, pain, and turmoil that our sin causes us, it becomes a heavy burden we carry through life. You don't have to carry that burden any longer. Because Jesus says, if you'll come unto me and bring that burden to me, he says, I will give you rest. 
He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest for your souls. Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Will you trust Jesus tonight? Will you believe in Christ tonight? Will you accept his invitation to come and be saved tonight? Come to him. Trust him. Obey him. Repent of your sin tonight. Confess faith in Christ tonight. Be baptized into Christ tonight. I would ask you and beg with you to make that decision if you have not already. Last scripture I want to share with you is it's something that a preacher named Ananias told Saul before he became the Apostle Paul in Acts 22:16. Ananias came to him and said, And now why tarriest thou? You know what that means? That's a fancy way of saying, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Don't turn a deaf ear and don't harden your heart tonight to such good news as this. I give you the good news of the gospel. And I pray you'll respond to it tonight, whatever way you need to. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon podcast. If you would like more information or have questions about what you have heard, email us at cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash wheelerareacfc.com.